0: I now turn to our scripture lesson for the sermon this morning, taking a brief break from our study of 1 Corinthians in preparation for communion, though as we just rescheduled it, uh, it'll be two weeks from now and not next week, but here we turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3, and I'll be reading here verses 14 through 17, this is God's holy word as he inspired the Apostle Paul to write these words. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14-17 through 17. But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Thus ends the reading of God's holy word for us at this time. Let's briefly pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your written word and that you have inspired it by the Holy Spirit so that we know that we have the very word of the living God here, as we'll consider here in a bit, even inspired to the very letter. So we ask now that you would grant that we might take to heart the things that we learn here in these scriptures, and remember those commitments that we have made, that we might ever keep covenant with you. In Jesus' name, Amen. For some time now, as we've been... Preparing for the Lord's Supper, I've been preaching on those promises that we make when we commit ourselves to the Reformed Presbyterian Covenant of Communicant Membership. And we have some here who have uh, who are visitors who, are, who haven't taken that commitment, but I think you'll find these things are, are good for all Christians, and we have some here who are considering taking that commitment, and maybe this will help you uh, in moving in that direction. So as we plan to observe the sacraments uh, two weeks from now, now as we had to make a quick schedule change there, uh, I'm returning to that series this morning. So today we come to the first commitment that we make in Vowel 5 of the Covenant of Communicant Membership. The whole query reads, To the end that you may grow in the Christian life, do you promise that you will diligently read the Bible? Engage in private prayer, keep the Lord's Day, regularly attend the worship services, observe the appointed sacraments, and give to the Lord's work as he shall prosper you. So today we'll be handling the first part of that query. To the end that you may grow in the Christian life, do you promise that you will diligently read the Bible? We'll consider five reasons that we find here in our scripture lesson from 2 Timothy why we should diligently read the Bible. In the order that Paul presents them here, we find, number one, it reveals God's plan of salvation in Jesus Christ. Number two, it is God's very word. A third reason is it teaches all things we need to know about God and ourselves in relation to him. And fourth, it corrects us. And then fifth, it's necessary for our progressive sanctification. As we become more like Christ, we have to use the Bible to do that. In 2 Timothy three fourteen and 15, Paul tells Timothy, But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures. Back in chapter 1, verse 5, Paul referred to Timothy's grandmother, Lois, and his mother, Eunice, who had genuine faith. And here in chapter 3, he says that they had raised him to know the Holy Scriptures. Certainly, he learned much from Paul, and Paul's saying here, remember the things I've taught you as well. But, but he says, from childhood, you've known the Scriptures. You learned a lot from your mother and your grandmother by those scriptures of course the particular scriptures in question would be the Old Testament as we know it for the New Testament had yet to be written when Timothy was a child indeed Timothy would work closely alongside two men who wrote more of the New Testament than anyone else Paul wrote 13 letters contained in the New Testament, 14 if he's the author of Hebrews, as many think, though Hebrews doesn't tell us who wrote it. And Luke, who wrote the longest of the Gospels, as well as the book of Acts. That's the majority of the New Testament right there. Of course, we know Jesus told his disciples, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you, he's saying to the apostles in particular, all things, and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. It's John fourteen twenty six, And then in John sixteen thirteen, he said, However, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. Christ's apostles would have the authority and the guidance of the Holy Spirit to write or endorse the scriptures of the New Testament. Everything we have in the New Testament was either written by or endorsed by one of those apostles, whom Jesus said the spirit of truth would guide into all truth, and bring to their remembrance all of the things that he taught them. So in 2 Peter 3.15 and 16, Peter refers to Paul's writings as being among the Holy Scriptures. He says, And consider that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, as also our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given to him, has written to you, as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which some things are hard to understand, which untaught and unstable people twist to their own destruction, as they do also the rest of the Scriptures." So Peter considers Paul's writings to be Scripture, like the Old Testament. So we would include in the statement Paul makes here about all Scripture being inspired by God, the Old Testament and the New Testament both. Sixty-six books altogether, the whole of holy writ. And we consider that in our application of what Paul says to Timothy here about Scripture why we should diligently read the Bible as we commit ourselves to. He says these scriptures are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Now Paul was, of course, firstly referring to the Old Testament scriptures. He's talking about the ones that Timothy was brought up on. Many modern evangelical churches and preachers find this surprising. But the Old Testament is able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus. As Luke tells us in Luke 24 verse 27, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, that's a way of saying what we would say the Old Testament is. The Old Testament scriptures. Beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them, that's Jesus, expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Obviously, the Old Testament then is God's word and is able to make you wise for salvation in Jesus. And of course, the New Testament further clarifies and expounds on Jesus. So, obviously, it's able to make you wise for salvation in Jesus Christ. The scriptures altogether reveal Jesus Christ. So, that's our first reason to read the Bible diligently why should you read the Bible diligently number one the Bible reveals God's plan of salvation in Jesus Christ again verse 15 and that from childhood you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus we sang and read earlier Psalm 19 we'll sing the rest of Psalm 19 here in a bit We read earlier, Psalm 19, verse 7, The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. Converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is pure, making wise the simple. Psalm 119, verse 97 and 98, Oh, how I love your law! It is my meditation all the day. You, through your commandments, make me wiser than my enemies. For they are ever with me. The scriptures can make you wise, and wise not in the ways of men, merely the wise for salvation, Paul says. They convert the soul, as Psalm 119.7 says. They make you wise when you're simple. They teach you that salvation is through faith, not works. They make you wise. For salvation, A careful study of God's law in the Old Testament shows that a sinner cannot save himself. God did not reveal his moral law in the Old Testament to tell you how to make yourself acceptable so that you can get into heaven by your own power. You won't do it. Theoretically, if you could do it, you would make yourself acceptable. But of course, if you have to make yourself acceptable, there's even a dilemma there because it means you didn't start acceptable. And God's standard for being in his holy presence is perfection so none of us attains that but rather the law reveals our need for a savior of course the new testament teaches clearly that salvation is by god's grace alone working through faith alone in christ alone and that was the groundwork for that was well laid by the old testament teaching us that we cannot save ourselves The Bible reveals God's plan of salvation in Jesus Christ. There were so many promises, of course, in the Old Testament that we don't have time to go through them now if we're going to get through the rest of the points of this sermon. All the promises of the coming Messiah who would pay the penalty for the sins of His people. Just look at Isaiah 53 as an example of that. That by His stripes we are healed. God's servant would make many righteous The Bible reveals God's plan of salvation in Jesus Christ. The second reason we should diligently read our Bibles is because it is God's very word. That's the second thing. I'm just taking these things in the order. Paul says here I might put that first if I were thinking why should we diligently read the Bible? Because God says so. It's God's word. But just taking them in the order of the things Paul says here we should diligently read the Bible because it is God's very word. Why wouldn't we want to read God's very word? The first part of verse 16. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. Literally, all scripture is God-breathed. So There's a Greek term there. The verb means God-breathed. The Lord so superintended the writing of Holy Scripture that even though a particular book or passage is in the writing style, the vocabulary and so on of its human author. You know, Paul writes like Paul and Peter writes like Peter and Isaiah writes like Isaiah and Jeremiah writes like Jeremiah. They don't necessarily write like one another. They have different contexts in which they write. Every word written down by Paul is Paul's word. Yeah, But also every word on the page is God's superintendent the writing of the human authors, every word on the page is what God intended to be there and what He intended to communicate. As Peter says in 2 Peter 1, 20 and 21, I think the ESV captures the meaning of the Greek a little bit better than our pew Bibles do here, so I'll, I'll read that to you here. Knowing this first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation, For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. That's what we have in Scripture. There he says prophecy of Scripture. What he's talking about there is is not just telling the future. He's talking about the telling forth of God's word. God speaks his word to a human author of Scripture, and that human author writes it down. That's a prophecy of Scripture, a prophecy written down, literally. (coughs) none of those ever came by that human author's own interpretation of things. Because no prophecy, no speaking of the word of God was ever produced by human will. But men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit, Peter says. Indeed, Paul's argument in Galatians 3 rests on the fact that God inspired the scriptural text to the letter. Galatians three sixteen. Now he, now to Abraham and his seed, where the promise is made. He does not say into seeds as of many, but as of one into your seed, who is Christ. In terms of two letters in the Hebrew text, and so Hebrews refers to the writings of psalmists, for example, as things. Not just that the psalmist said, but that the Holy Spirit said. For example, Hebrews 3, 7. Therefore, the Holy Spirit says, and then he goes on in the next verses to quote Psalm 95, verses 7 and 8. Not just David or the author of the psalm said this, but the Holy Spirit said it. Notice when we read Psalm 119, verse 97. We read that a few minutes ago. The law is God's law. Your law, the psalmist says. In Psalm 119, verse 105, we we read, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. It's not just a word, it's God's word. I could go on and on, but we see that, that we should diligently read the Bible because it is God's direct communication to mankind. It is His very word. The third reason that we should diligently read the Bible is because it teaches us all things we need to know about God and ourselves in relation to Him. Second part of verse 16, and it is profitable for doctrine. As Peter says of the Scriptures, 2 Peter 1 19, and so we have the prophetic word confirmed, or literally made more sure, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place until the morning star rises in your hearts. So, the prophetic word, that is, the telling forth of God's revelation of himself, is somehow, Peter says, made more sure. Now, after this verse, Peter goes on to talk about Scripture. So, that's what he means. He says, God's word has been made more sure, having been written down. So, prior to that verse, he was recounting how he... And James and John had witnessed the transfiguration of Jesus Christ when His glorious God shone forth from Him. And the voice of the Father spoke from out of a cloud and said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And then Peter goes on to say, and We have something more sure than that. Most of us think, what what could be better than just hearing God's voice straight out of heaven telling us what is true? So this passage, Peter is saying that Scripture is actually better than hearing that voice from heaven. Now for one thing, Peter had lots of other confirmation that he was hearing the vo- the very voice of God. He had so much confirmation in the ministry of Jesus, of who Jesus was. But you know, if I hear a voice from heaven telling me something... I might be hallucinating. I might be the victim of a man-made hoax. I might be a victim of Satan attempting to deceive me. Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians that Satan can appear as an angel of light and in Galatians chapter 1 that even if an angel from heaven comes preaching to us another gospel we're not to heed it. But in scripture I have the word of God the writers of whom were confirmed by miracles to be God's true messengers the scripture doesn't change. Oh yes man can miscopy it or purposefully change it but the scripture that God inspired is infallible. Therefore, as Peter says, I should pay attention to Scripture. He says it's like a lamp shining in a dark place. It's necessary for me to be able to see clearly. I can't see in a dark room unless I turn on a light. It illumines things, the Scripture does, that cannot otherwise be seen or discerned, whether it's about God or about myself or about the condition of the world. Peter's reference to the morning star rising in our hearts is actually referring to the return of Christ. In Revelation 22.16, Jesus refers to himself as the bright and morning star. Peter is saying that we need the light of Scripture. You will need the light of written Scripture, of the Bible, until such time as Christ is finally and completely revealed in the world to come. As long as this world lasts, you need that Bible. Psalm 19.8, the statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. It's like a lamp in a dark place. We should diligently read the Bible because it teaches us all things we need to know about God and ourselves in relation to Him. Fourth, we should diligently read the Bible because it corrects us. In verse 16, we also read that Scripture is profitable for reproof and for correction. Those terms are two sides of the same coin. I could have separated them out, but I've kept them here together. They're really two sides of the same coin, so to speak. So I've kept them together in one point. Reproof is letting someone know of a failure to do something they should have done or uh, that someone has done something wrong. Scripture lets me know that. lets you know that. If you've done something wrong, or if you've failed to do something right, correction is the other side of the coin. It's turning that person away from an evil or unwise course to a good and wise course. Psalm 19, verses 9 through 11, The fear of the Lord is clean, Enduring forever, the judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Notice how David just loved God's word. It was sweeter to him than than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them, your servant is warned. And in keeping them is great reward. God warns his servants by his written word verse 12 who can understand his errors this is still psalm 19 verse 12 who can understand his errors cleanse me from hidden faults the scriptures warn God's servants of our sinful tendencies they teach us when we've gone wrong they point us where to go they point us to what is right to the ways that are pleasing to God I should point out that we don't do this to earn salvation, but rather to show our gratitude for the salvation that we already have in Jesus Christ. But the Scriptures expose our sins. They show us where we have erred. They reveal what we've done wrong. The righteous things that we have failed to do. They show us the right way to live as God's people. We should diligently read the Bible because it corrects us. And then finally, five, we should diligently read the Bible because it is necessary for our progressive sanctification. The last part of verse 16 through verse 17. Scripture is profitable, quote, for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. In Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, we see that we are not saved by our own good works. Paul says, For by grace you have been saved, through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. So God doesn't save us because of our good works, but He did save us for good works. He did not save us by grace so that we could go on sinning with impunity commit more evil works rather Ephesians 2.10 the next verse then says for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them how do we know what those good works are how do we know what we should walk in the Bible tells us Psalm 119 verse 101 I have restrained my feet from every evil way that I may keep your word. Keeping God's word restrains us from evil. Psalm 119.106, I have sworn and confirmed that I will keep your righteous judgments. And Psalm 119.112, I have inclined my heart to perform your statutes forever to the end. We look to God's word to teach us What not to do and also what to do. Do you love God's Word? Do you read it diligently, not half heartedly or just in passing? Do you read it carefully or try to get all you can out of it? I find that just the more times you read it straight through start at Genesis 1 and read all the way through Revelation the more times you do that the more you find that the internal consistency and how everything just flows together and comes together you read it carefully for what you can get out of it it reveals God's plan for salvation in Jesus Christ cherish it it's God's very word, relish that fact God didn't just plant you here on earth and say, guess what to do? He gave you a written word. More sure prophetic words, as Peter says. Relish that. Enjoy that. It teaches all things that you need to know about God and yourself in relation to Him. This doesn't mean it teaches all things you can know. You're not going to find a chapter in the Scripture that teaches you how to perform an appendectomy but you will find about what's going on in your heart you'll find what God has intended for his people it teaches all things that you need to know about God and yourself in relation to him so dig into it it will correct you if you read it honestly so heed it it's necessary for your progressive sanctification use it Diligently read the Bible. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your written word. Grant that we may indeed use it well, diligently reading it for all that we can get out of it, all that it has to tell us. We know that we cannot exhaust all of the things it can teach us in a lifetime. We know that the more we read it, the more we learn, and the more like Christ we can become thereby. So we pray that you would Use it in our lives, empower it by the Holy Spirit that we might all the more be conformed to Christ's image and keep these things that we have vowed as we read it daily. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.